Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Health insurance plans come with deductibles and claims processes that are confusing and expensive. CrowdHealth puts you back in control of your health care. Each member gets a personal care advocate and access to thousands of other members ready to help pay for large health expenses. Visit joincrowdhealth.com and use code HEALTH to get your first three months for just $99 per month. That's joincrowdhealth.com code HEALTH. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for health care. Terms and conditions may apply. What's up, y'all? It's your boy David with Blackwell Renaissance. And I'm here today to tell you guys about Anchor. If you haven't heard of Anchor, it's the best place to make a podcast. Anchor is a free app that has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast straight from your phone. Anchor also distributes your podcast across all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and many others. You can also make money on your podcast with Anchor with no minimum listenership. Anchor is everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So if you're looking to get started on your own podcast, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm. What's good, family? Your boy David here with BWR, and I want to let y'all know it is going down in H-Town on March 28th. Yes, I said it. March 28th, we are going to be in Houston, Texas, hosting one of our Renaissance Mixers at Muse Office Space. We're going to be talking stocks real estate, business development, and much, much more. Tell a friend to tell a friend. It's going to be a great time. going to be good vibes. Link for the tickets is down in the show notes. I hope you guys enjoy the episode. Peace. Do five years of this and be a millionaire and go on do what I want to do, have kids, go live my chip and joy in the game life out here in Texas or struggle for next year. The choice is yours. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. Our goal of this podcast is to normalize black wealth and share helpful resources and tips we believe will be useful in attaining and maintaining generational wealth. Please feel free to rate and comment on our podcast. We would love to hear all feedback you have. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Black Wealth Renaissance Podcast. It's your boy, David Bellar, one-fourth of the Black Wealth Renaissance, checking in with my co-host. Fellas, how y'all feeling? What's up, bro? It's your boy, Jalen, checking in. Glad to be here. What up? What up? How you doing, Jay? What's good? What's good, y'all? Man, shoot, I'm on my way to the house right now. I'm about to uh, get set up and everything. I'm running a little bit behind, but I'm excited for this podcast we got today. Yeah, uh, bro. We I think we all yeah, kind of excited, man. A little pre-podcast conversation definitely got us excited for this. Uh, real quick, before we get into it, our boy Kelly can't be here yeah. with us right now. He got tied up. But we are super excited for our guests that we have again today, guys. We have us a serial entrepreneur and investor up out of Delaware. It all started on the page once again. I the yeah, DM, man. I the DM. So y'all get at us. But 
We got a real <laughs> special brother who's been doing some dope things that we didn't even know about up until we had this pre-conversation. So without further ado, I'm going to welcome our guest, Mr. Pedro Moore. How you doing, bro? I'm doing great. Gentlemen, I, again, thank you so much for having me. A chance to talk about what I do. I've been following you guys for some time. Also, you are absolutely right. Thank you for the DM because that helped me expose my particular brand through you guys' platform. So I appreciate that, that promotion opportunity. Uh, no problem, bro. We thank you uh, that we was able to connect. And now we're here on the podcast and we just learned some good things off camera. So we can't wait to actually share with the people. And can we just get you to start off the podcast just by introducing yourself to the guests and the listeners? And let them know, hey, some of the things that you have done. And then we'll get to what you're doing now after that. Sure, sure. As it was mentioned, my name is Pedro Moore. I'm out of Delaware, born and raised. Uh, for those that are not familiar with Delaware, never heard of really Delaware. It's about 30 minutes south of, of Philly. I'm a serial, as it was mentioned, I'm a serial entrepreneur and uh, a venture capitalist where graduated from University of Delaware, majored in marketing management, founded the Entrepreneurship Club at University of Delaware when I was a student there. So I made a little history there. Co-founded Delaware's first co-working space back in 09 uh, with a couple other friends. It was called The Coin Loft. And then I think it was maybe 2010, I got into the venture capital industry where I was with this firm where we invested in the first institutional round of funding for a tech startup, which was their Series A round. And uh, it was there was actually two funds there. So each fund was around about, I think about $11, $12 million that we had under management. And our portfolio probably got big as up to like 12, 12 companies. And so we invested probably about a quarter of a million to a half a million dollars, sometimes three quarters if, if we really was excited about the company, into that particular company. We mainly focused on B2B software solutions in that mid-Atlantic region. And then from while I was there, I started this one company, which is how we all got connected through Bump and Play, which is, again, Delaware's first bubble stocker uh, company. And that was basically, I just wanted to do another stream of income. And it was a vehicle because I'm a big kid. I love doing adventurous things. And I figured avoiding the market, like I figured, you know, how can I have fun and make some money too? So I started that endeavor as a way to kind of build some cash flow for my household. And the rest is history. You know, when I, I did start another company, it hasn't launched yet. You're still building it out. It's called Fund and Fuel, which is the first platform to allow anyone to own franchises for a minimum of $1,000. So we're still working on that platform to uh, launch, but I did win Black Tech Connect, uh, Black Enterprise Pitch Competition, I think last year around this time. Uh, it was out in uh, San Francisco, their pitch competition for Black Enterprise, or Black Connect. But anyway, that's a little bit about my background. Hey, man, that's amazing. <laughs> definitely some great things out of there that we could definitely talk about. So... Let's go back to your college days, bro. Uh, you say, you know, you sure, started bro. the Entrepreneur Club. What was your major whenever you went to college? Sure. A lot of people think it's finance because I do a lot of investing. Because even um, I study marketing and management. I got a BS in marketing and management. Uh, so I was a double major. But I was always passionate about entrepreneurship. I tried to start some endeavors in college. They didn't really work out. but that entrepreneurship club that I started, I saw a void in the market where, one, I said, you know how everybody in college, they always want to join like some kind of student club for their resume. You'd be a vice president or president. I was like, well, how can I be better than a president, right? What's better than a president? I said, ah, if I'm actually the founder hmm. of an organization. 
And that's when I saw that with entrepreneurship being my passion, at the time, um, UD is, University though is, is a predominantly white school. So that's another reason why I was excited about it, because I, I kind of made history at a predominantly white school. I started a student club, which still is run today. I've graduated. I'm not sure you guys' age, but I graduated back in 06. And that club is still existing today. And I don't get credit for it, but I at least tell myself, you know, even though I may not get credit for it, but I believe I helped plant the seed for the movement of entrepreneurship at this predominantly white school, University of Delaware, because now they have this new program, which I'm also a student startup mentor there too. It's called Horn Program. They raised like $3 million and some change to help foster entrepreneurship for students there. Um, to the point where they got this one amazing program where they pay students during the summer to work on their own startup. You know, I've never seen a program like that. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, but I started that club because I figured that various disciplines, whether you're in business, whether you're in fashion engineer, you know, in entrepreneurship, those two worlds can collide, right? You can have a business person, an engineer, build a tech company. But at the time, those two schools did not talk to each other well. And that club was designed to allow students from those various schools to have at least a common area where they can come together to share ideas, to eventually maybe come up with something together. So anyway, that was that's a little bit of my background about my education background. Man, that's beautiful because in a lot of the school systems, entrepreneurship is not touched on because we had a podcast where we done way back when we first started and we kind of went over how school really just teaches you how to be a worker bee. School teaches you how to say, yeah. graduate and go get a job. But the fact that you were able to recognize Absolutely. that void and say, you know what, there are some people who's gonna start some businesses, but there are some worker bees. If we put these two together, they could create a company where that worker bee wouldn't technically have to work from the ground up. They could create a company with this entrepreneur. So that's beautiful. Absolutely, absolutely, 100% correct. And that's, I think you hit it spot on because as you guys know, anything in entrepreneurship, you, you gotta be a worker bee, you gotta put in the work. And some schools do not really uh, help push that. I do think some schools are improving, mm -hmm. are trying to do better, and, you know, promote entrepreneurship, but there's still a lot of other schools that are not doing that. And especially for our people, we got to have on our resume, we got to at least have something on there. I mean, we can be a doctor, but we also got to have another endeavor on there as well. You know, so all, I believe all of us have to have some kind of entrepreneurial background, even small or big. Who needs an alarm in the morning? When McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles. And a breakfast cutoff. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. So, Pedro, with your passion for entrepreneurship and having this marketing degree, I'm wondering, what was that pivot like into the world of venture? Like, how did you find your way from graduation to venture? Oh, good question. So, my dad got me into stocks early on. And so, one, I... For me, I, I always liked money. I was that kid that was growing up, was trying to sell you something. I was trying to put something, I was trying to make some commerce happen. I was just that kid. I mean, my first business was probably like I was eight with my granddad, like a little farm in North Carolina, where I would go with him and we'll sell watermelon to the grocery store or to the local people around, right? And there's like a pecan tree where I'll go pick up pecans and sell it to a little grocery store just to make my own money to buy my own bubble gum. So, anyway, so I was always interested in commerce. 
But fast forwarding, my dad got me into the world of investing in stocks, right? And so I really went hard in college where I invested in stocks a lot. And, and so to the point where I actually, by my investments in college, actually helped me buy my first house that we are living into, actually, that we're living in today. Because we never saved up for this house. It just my portfolio did really well. We were to buy the, my, our, our new construction home uh, here in Delaware. But to get back to your question, because I was always investing in stocks, something always got to me. Like, you know, because when you invest in stocks, right, the price is already inflated for the most part. But I was like, hell, is there a way that you can buy? Because when you incorporate, you, when you first incorporate, the value of the stock is nothing. So I was always thinking, like, how can you buy stock into something at a cheaper price? And at the time, I didn't know what venture was. I didn't know that even was even a concept. But I still kept on trying to figure it out. And then because of that, going back to the entrepreneurship club, a lot of things I do is all connected. So the entrepreneurship club I started, I had a guest speaker come in. And that guest speaker was a venture capitalist. I didn't really know to, I didn't connect the dots at the time, but he was a venture capitalist and I built a relationship with him. And I, I used to go and volunteer at some of his conferences that he put on and et cetera, et cetera, just to kind of build a relationship. So then fast forwarding after I graduate, there was an opening at his firm. And that's how everything got started because of that. Because like I said, I didn't know what venture was. Venture capital now is very popular at the time. This is probably old. Um, well, this is when I was in college. So it wasn't as popular as it is today. But through that relationship, because me starting an entrepreneurship club, it led me to this guy who basically, it was a Jewish gentleman who taught me the world of venture. And that's how I really got really exposed to the world. I got handled experience of actually investing in companies. That's so dope, bro. It's, that's your story. That's powerful. It's a lot of, like, it's fire to me because it speaks real, real power to relationships. Just yeah. that, that real, yeah. real lesson in the importance Absolutely. of building positive relationships, especially while you're at that university, because that's something that we also spoke on on that same episode about college was that that's something that a lot of the times whenever we going into those positions at universities, we're not putting ourselves in a position to win afterwards. So that, like, I'm just Absolutely. glad that, yeah, that Absolutely. I can see that. And you know what? I'm glad you said that too, that you, it's important to build relationships. Because I tell that to new students now. I said, you want to go to college for two reasons. One, obviously get a good education. And then two, network. Because that's really how you're going to get your return on your investments through your network. But a lot of times, in order to kind of build those relationships, you, gotta, gotta do, you have to do good in your classes because those professors know a lot of people. And if you want to get in good with those professors, you got to do good in their class, right? You can't be getting D's and F and expecting them to make a connection for you, right? The reason why, like, in Harvard and all these other Ivy League schools do well is not the fact that they're necessarily smart. I mean, yes, they may have a little more advanced curriculum, but it ain't that superior than other places. But it's their network. It is their network that they have, their connections. And that's really what's really important as you go into school. No one taught me that. I just did it. But that's why I tell everybody that's going to college now. Education gets good grades and network, good relationships. That's amazing because we – what you got, Jared? Oh, no, I was just going to say I think that's like that's really – your whole story is really cool because of the fact like it – speaks volumes to like putting the work in first and then seeing the ROI on the back end. 
Because yeah, yeah. Club, and you know somebody else will come back and be like, "Oh, he got that job. You know, he was lucky." But it's like, no, it wasn't luck. Like you put in the work to put yourself in the position so that you could make those connections and end up being. Amen to that. That's really dope. Like I, that's yeah. that's really like the story. Yeah, you're so spot on, man. It's that investment. It's that investment of time. That's sweat mm-hmm. equity. So, the investments. Now you got me real, real interested because we spoke with uh, John Henry. And John Henry, he's in venture capital himself. Mm-hmm. But we didn't really, in that episode, I don't think we got a chance to really take a look at venture yeah. holistically and like really explain to people what venture is. Because I know earlier in your story, you mentioned like y'all got in on somebody's Series A funding round. And it's like people may not know what all that is. So could you kind of sure. explain what venture capital is and like yeah. Yeah, yes, absolutely. So my first talk about private equity. So private equity is that's really the beast of the beast. Most big brands that we know are affiliated with are probably owned by a private equity fund. So private equity, and this is also explained in venture, really, simply put, is where they raise money from either bigger institutions or really rich people, put that money in pot and they invest that money. Private equity Focus, however, private. The difference is private equity focuses more so either on real estate or mature businesses. Venture is more like a subset of private equity, where it's more of a call it like a riskier asset class because you're invested in high risk technology, right? And that subset is a, so the venture fund is same premise of the fund managers have to go raise money from big institutions, high wealthy people to put money in this pot to invest. But the idea is that they're going to invest in high scalable startup companies that could yield a minimum of 10 times their return within five to 10 years. So when I was mentioning about Series A, Series B, those are just, oh, another term that we use, you may have heard me say it earlier, is institutional funding. All that is just a proper way to say that, was another way of saying what venture capital really is. And Series A is just considered the first round of institutional funding for a high growth startup. And that's so those series can go up to however long it needs to go up to, to like Z if it needs to. Now, the likelihood of that happening is very slim, but most startups go from a Series A to a Series B to a Series C. And then the expectation is it goes one or two directions. If it's not sold by that time, the expectation is that company is growing substantially that in a good way or that company is sinking around that Series C, Series D round. But uh, basically, it's their, again, venture capital is just the, their first line of institutional funding. And so startups at that stage probably have a team, have a product market fit, probably already has some sales, but they need this capital for growth more so. It's not really so much for development, even though you can use some of the capital for development, but it's really for growth. And each venture fund has their criteria, but really it's just, it's just for growth. And all it is just their first round of funding. That's all it is. And because the rounds before that, even though there are a lot more seed funds today than when I started, but normally, historically, that was, those were rounds for angel investors, family and friends, et cetera, et cetera. So that's why they always say the Series A is their first round of institutional funding. I hope that answers the question. If, if not, I can explain it some more. You answered it pretty well for me. I'm getting it. 
So a seed round would be like, these are the people I know that have money in my circle and they're the ones that are invested in here for the initial stakes in the company. And then the series eight would be like, we're privately owned, but we're still, we're taking money from the venture capitalist people, people that do this for a living now. Kind of yeah. Like. Yes. But also too, you said something about private, but you're going to be private the entire time. The entire time. The only time you go public is if you do something like Uber. Where and, I, and if uh, I don't know how many rounds they did, but remember I was saying about the Series A, they probably to uh, I don't even know GF or whatever rounds they get all the way up to. But so yeah, so typically, you know, if, if let's just say y'all two just start a business, you all put your own money in there, then you get to a certain stage, you might need to tap some of the family and friends to get some things going. But now what has happened? We call it the seed round those rounds have become a little bit more sophisticated and a lot more popular because a lot of, I think, venture funds are, are not investing as much. I'm trying to figure out what happened. because, um, But, well, I mean, that's besides the point. But So there's a lot more seed rounds in which seed rounds, can there can be seed funds, and these funds probably like $5 million or less. And in those check sizes per fund might be around twenty dollars to $50,000. And in those rounds... Those rounds where you probably have a product, you probably have some minimal traction. Maybe you have your you know, first one or two customers, maybe, but you do have a solid team. And that's typically where the C rounds kind of played a part. And again, when venture comes into play, it's where, okay, you got things going, you know where you need to go, um, you got a squad, you just need to scale. And that scale might mean you need to hire a couple key people. So that way you can kind of expand your reach a little bit further in the market, maybe do some product development, maybe a little bit of marketing too, but it really just the emphasis is to really scale. You will know if you're ready for venture. Most people that I come in contact with that wants to raise money, they're not ready for a series A round. So that's why, like, especially for our people, for some of our people, I don't even bring that up. I'm like, that's not a conversation you really want to have. Because the worst thing you can do is go to a VC way too early and you kill, kind of kill your credibility hmm. if you pitch to them way too early. So I had a question with that, because you mentioned that, those qualifications earlier and kind of what y'all look for. I'm sorry to interrupt, but like what, no, no good. what are those qualifications? Or what if, if I was somebody and I'm trying to build up my business so that I can go to a venture capital firm, firm excuse me, what should I have already? Sure. Well, one... If you're, so here's, if you were like a real person, I, I know you're just asking this question as a hypothetical, but if that was a real question, I'll already say that you're too early and you shouldn't be even trying to learn that. That's a conversation I wouldn't even, uh, I would recommend don't even worry about that right now. But to answer your question, each VC fund, a lot of times even seed funds actually has their criteria. Because even though I say, I was trying to give some general standards, but each VC fund or seed fund has a criteria where they actually always, so that's one thing I'll do emphasize, look at their criteria. So their criteria may say that they focus on certain industries. They may focus on certain geographic location. They may be a certain size, right? So each investment fund will say what they invest in. But to answer your question, kind of give you some general ideas. Again, it's, and there's no, a reason why I can't give an exact, because there's no exact, because there's been times we invest in the teams, there's maybe two-man team, but there's also been scenarios where there's maybe a five-man team. I got one example in my head. It was a seven-man team. 
but it's just more of what does that profile look like? Is that entrepreneur season? What's their background? Their market, of obviously, but as their product, one, finished, right? Is their money going to be used for scale? Those are just some kind of questions. And a lot of times, because capital is becoming even more competitive, we want to see what kind of traction they do have, right? What have you done prior to getting to us? And that also helps dictate whether we want to move forward with you as well. But again, just each VC fund had a criteria. Because like our VC fund, if you were, let's just say, a social media platform, a B2C platform, even if you're doing amazing things, we probably would not invest with you because it falls out our criteria. We primarily focus on B2B SaaS solutions, software as a service solutions. And so like if you, let's just say if it was, I'm just making this up, let's just say Snapchat came to us out of California. If they would have presented to us, there's a good chance maybe we would have passed because it doesn't fit our criteria, right? Because when we raise a fund, we pitch to our institutional investors of this criteria of companies that we're going to invest in. And we typically got to adhere to, to that. We can't really waver outside of that. Hey, great, great gems. Yeah. Hey, my boy out here spitting that hot fire. Um, <laughs> so let's pivot to after VC, you know, you've done your thing. And now you said, I need some extra income. And what was that looking like for you to start the bubble soccer? And for those who don't know what bubble soccer is, can you, one, explain that? And then, two, look at, like, how did you look at the market and say, this is some a need or something that I can make thrive within my area? Sure, absolutely. Good question. So bubble soccer, and my company is called Bump and Play with the letter N. B-U-M-P, the letter N, play. So anyone want to listen, you can follow me on uh, Instagram so you can kind of really see all the pictures in the video. So bubble soccer essentially is that, or bubble ball or knockerball, those are some other common phrases, is the idea is that you get inside this inflatable bubble, your legs are free, right? But your body's fully submerged inside it, but your legs are free. You get to play soccer and you get to like bump and smash other, other people around, right? So you can play other sports too, but soccer was the primary thing that this, where this concept initially was created. So the idea is you play soccer, but you inside these inflatable bubbles with your legs free, you run around, kick the ball, smash into people, and just have a whole bunch of fun. And I created that because, one, I just always been, at the time I was still, I did have a little, I had another stream of income because, um, and part of the motivation was to, yeah, when I was saying that we first bought our house from my portfolio, my stock portfolio, what happened was soon after we closed, you know, we bought the house based on two incomes, my wife and I, she lost her job. And at this time, I didn't have another stream of income. So I'm like, oh, that sucks, right? So we had to, we had to, you know, pinch pennies hard. So I did start teaching. But what I did was took that teaching money and start investing in this because what I did was two things, going back to your question. I saw on social media how this video went viral of these people playing. I think it was from Australia or something like that. And I'm like, yo, that would be fun to play. And then I kind of Googled it to figure out if it's around this region. And I did see something that was kind of like in deep Philly, but nothing really in, in Delaware. And so I was like, okay, is there a way that I could, you know, play this, have fun, but also make money? So I started doing my research. And before... Now, this is what I learned because of venture investing in tech companies, this whole concept called lean methodology. 
where you start with a minimal viable product, the MVP. So even though this is not tech, but I still kind of took that concept. So what I did was I knew how to build a website. So I built a website with a landing page and I start spending money on ads. Just before I bought the money, I just want to see like, will people sign up to potentially give me money to book this equipment? And I actually started getting leads from this. I'm like, oh, snap. It was to the point where like, oh, crap, hey, you might really, really want to buy some equipment before people think you a liar, right? Because I just made this website as if I'm already existed. But really, all I had was a website. I had no equipment. But I was basically just trying to promote to see if I can get some kind of demand from this. And like I said, I did. I got a good amount of demand. I'm like, but then I was like, oh, Paige, you don't have to really buy equipment because people want to think like uh, you got here scamming people. So anyway, I, I bought the equipment. I did have a partner, but things kind of went south. So he moved away. So, but initially we kind of put our money together and bought our first set of suits. And then what I did from there was I did offer a free event and I'm giving some knowledge too, for any of those people that are listening, that if you have want to book something, uh, do something in your area, but this is what you do. You create a, um, a free event to create some noise. And because what happens is people are going to get excited. People are going to share the content on social media. They're going to tag you. And then you also can use that footage because this is a business of all about imagery, right? You use that imagery to promote on your social media and then it also gets some clients. So then, um, so then anyway, that's how I basically got into that world. I saw a void. No one was doing it in Delaware, and I wanted to strike while the iron was hot. And that's exactly what I did. And I, you know, I got a lot of press, a lot of other little stuff too. But that's how I was able to make things happen. This is back in uh, 2015. Hey, that's smart how like you reverse engineered and stuff because a lot of people that have said, I need the product first before I go do anything. You said, yeah. no, let me see if this is even a hot yeah, enough product for me to sell. Yeah. Where yeah. you were like, I'm not gonna now I'm not gonna mess up any money. Like you said, you know you were living off of one income. So you had to be very strategic with it. You couldn't right. just say, Let me go invest in these bubble balls and make it happen. But right. that's cool, bro. That's cool. Correct, correct. Because one thing I do tell people is they always you know, I always advocate to like I said, I'm all about entrepreneurship and building wealth. So I'm always an advocate of making sure you have a certain amount of money in your savings, right? And I say have it for two reasons. One, emergency, but also investment, right? Because that way you have a lump sum of something. Because what if I didn't have, you know, anything in my savings to invest? So I had to ask my wife, say, yo, you mind if I tap this? But to help convince her, you know, that's another reason why I did that. To show like, okay, look, there's some demand here. I think this could be big. It was okay that I actually, you know, move forward with this. And she, of course, said, yeah. And then that's how it happened. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's. Hey, my man. You know, <laughs> what you got? I think, I think something else that was like really, really cool out of there is like what you did with the minimum uh, viable product and kind of like to piggyback off what y'all said, but like, that's why I think entrepreneurship is so dope in the fact that, like, as long as you keep doing it, you keep getting better. Yeah. So it's like you probably yeah. didn't start out knowing about a landing page and all that different type of stuff, like drawing in the leads and all that stuff. But you learned it over time so that then once now you're like, OK, five years in the future and you're like, all right, well, you know, I want to try this business opportunity. 
you already you know what? Know how to make sure it's good before you even spend money based off the experiences that you've done before. You know what? <laughs> you just hit the nail right on. Because I said I know how to build websites. You want to know how to build websites? I had another business friend out of college that I didn't sell a dollar. And I lost 10 grand on that. And I had a website. It wasn't doing nothing. And I ran out of money and I couldn't pay the developer. So what the page I had to do? research how to build websites so I can at least try to keep that website going. And so through that, but through that experience, that was a costly loss. But basically you could say that I paid $10,000 to learn how to build a website indirectly, right? Because I, I invested in the business, the business didn't pan out and that's how much I lost. But in that experience, I learned how to build websites. And even from that skill, I even, you know, build websites for other people and where I made money. And I don't really promote that, but I just do that as a kind of like quick cash or whatever the case may be. But I have that skill set that's available. But to your point, absolutely. And that's what helped me get where I am today, even with the bubble ball business. It, and a lot of people, they don't understand that. Like skill. those losses do come with a lot of lessons and a lot of value. Oh, amen. It, it might hurt in the initial, in the beginning. But you can say you would have made that $10,000 back maybe probably two, three times oh, off of that. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I made my money back well past that. Absolutely. I met, um, and to your point of, um, this is one thing I, I tell a lot of other people too. And I sometimes tell myself this when I do lose, even today. So I met, uh, I know there's a couple, of, there's a um, Buffalo Wild Wings. I know the owners, a couple of franchises around here locally. And I had a chance to meet them just because I like building relationships, especially with successful people, right? You learn a lot from them. Yeah. And one thing he said, I like the way he used it. He said, failure is called tuition, right? Because when you go to college, you pay them tuition to learn. Failure is the same exact thing. You lost, you, most likely you lose money, but you also learn. So is that not the same thing as paying tuition going to college? So that's one thing I tell people. I'm saying, if you fail or lost money, you know, don't get buried in that. That's just tuition. You just pay some tuition. That's all. And just keep on moving. Like one of my favorite quotes. Never let a win get to your head. Never let a loss get to your heart. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that. Because it's, I mean, it's really true. Like everything, and, and I, I even compare it to like everything else in life. Like it's not going to start easy. Like everything is going to have a learning curve. Like when you were Amen. a baby and you were trying to figure out how to walk, think about what you would have, think about how many of us would still be sitting down right now if all of us just gave up the first time with, dang, this walking stuff yeah. is hard. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> I can't figure this out, how to use these little legs up under me, bro. This stuff hard. But like, you didn't give up. And over the time you figure it out, everything is going to be hard starting out. You know what? You're absolutely right. You guys, maybe I didn't share this with you guys because I'm working on a new deal right now, literally right now, like we're in the middle of some contracts and negotiations. And this is my, this deal is the first type of deal that I've ever done, which is I have me and a friend, we're trying to actually buy a business. And I don't really talk to a lot of people about it because it hasn't closed yet. But I keep telling a lot of people, like I told my wife a lot, like, man, I'm just so nervous. And the thing is, I don't want any mistakes to happen because I don't know. I'm just, you know, this is my first time buying a business. So I'm scared, right? If I want to be honest, right? Because I never bought a business before. But I know that there are going to be, there are going to be some moments where I'm going to have to pay some tuition, unfortunately, right? Because I think that just has to happen, right? For a baby, I have a newborn son that I don't know, I don't know if you guys know, he went viral. I don't know if you guys look at my um, end of uh, September, 
he was the baby going um if you look on my page near the bottom he's laughing over the w and m and like justin bieber shared it we've been on good morning america a lot of people have uh shared it but anyway so my point is that i'm using him as an example like for him to learn how to walk he had to stumble a couple times too he had to fall down but get up but eventually he learned how to walk and i believe the same process is the same thing for entrepreneurship you're going to take baby steps you're going to get some bumps and bruises but eventually you're going to learn how to walk and you're going to learn how to walk well you know so me i sometimes have to talk to myself even going through this contract with buying this business is that i got to sometimes tell them to take page there there're going to be some surprises there're going to be some this or that but this is the first stepping stone from you even buying even bigger businesses mm. down the road you know because i have a personal goal of mine financially and the way i want my life to look in the future but i believe this is just the first step of that and this business is not a huge business but it's a nice business and i and i even kind of thank god where i was able to negotiate a good price and cuz i've been reading you know i've been studying i've been trying to figure out i mean i've learned a little a good bit because of my profession but my profession teaches you how to invest and get you know i'm already staked in a company and how to manage that but not when you get majority of stake in a company. And so but anyway, my point is that there's going to be some learning curves I'm probably going to experience going through this, but I believe that it's going to help me become even better by even more companies later on. Hey. hey, I appreciate you sharing that, brother. Yeah, because I, I do too. People need to know that you, that folks don't have it figured out. Like, that you figure yeah. out, so you're learning. Like people yeah. think, oh shoot, I'm I'm learning, man. I'm too far behind. No, yeah. it's always good to learn. You always oh, going. absolutely. I mean, you never stop learning. You never stop learning. And then one thing I always do is I always like my rolodex of successful people is very strong. I know a lot of millionaires. I don't know any billionaires, but I know some people that. I mean, keep in mind I'm not best of friends with them and like that, but I have their contact. I met them, had a chance to stick their hand, but I know some lot of wealthy people and every chance I get, I try to at least get something out of them, you know, a nugget or some kind of insight that I can use in my own personal life. And a matter of fact, that's one person told me about even kind of idea of buying businesses. Learning from that, you know, as a way to as a side hustle, I would say. Cuz the business I'm buying, I'm not planning to work there day to day. This is just another stream of income. That's what that business is going to be for. I'm not trying to be there day to day. And that's a strategy that I learned from some other folks. I'm trying to be an owner investor, not an owner operator. Ooh. Mm. Hey, that's a bar that's right there, bro. That's a cuz most people <laughs> think about that, especially nowadays cuz you know the craze of entrepreneurship. We don't we don't really look at the whole side of it like, yeah, people think they be in entrepreneurs to be business owners but they be entrepreneurs to end up self employed yeah. that's not the goal yeah. the goal is to create yeah. a stream of income that's going to pay you whether you work or not correct not sit here and exchange all your time for money like you were doing on a job absolutely right that's one of the lessons from what rich dad poor dad right yeah. that uh castle quadrant yes yeah. sir mm-hmm. absolutely yeah yeah that that thing blessed my life i tell you that book Man, that book is that book is amazing, bro. That's that book is the reason why we're yeah, here with you today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, I know uh, you had wanted to go back to. Oh certain- yeah, I did have one thing. I was wondering because this is something that always did confuse me about venture. So, mm-hmm. how do the people that work in venture get paid? 
because it seems to me that you're putting your money away for a long time. Yeah. Turn around. So where does the kickback come in? Sure. Great question. So each fund is typically have a lifespan of 10 years, private equity, venture, et cetera, et cetera. So you make money two ways in venture and the same thing with private equity. So you have this thing called a management fee and a carried interest management fee. That's how you get your pay. That's how you get your salary. So, so the idea is that typically it can range where it's 2%. The average is two, two and a half percent. So let's just say you guys raise a $10 million fund, right? Mm-hmm. You guys are allowed to charge, just say you raise two and a half percent. You are allowed to charge two and a half percent. What is that? 250 a year or something like that. So the mm-hmm. idea, the idea in theory is that you will get 250 grand a year for at least that 10 years. Now there are also some other clauses where sometimes it may not always be 10 years, maybe five. And then the, the remaining part might be based on the capital that you invested so is based on the value of that. But just for simple terms to answer your question, let's just say it's for straight 10 years. So in essence, you will get 250 a year for the next 10 years off that capital that you raised. So you first raised that $10 million and you pull down, you invoice that investment fund because there's, there's two entities. There's a limited partnership where that's where all the capital goes to, where all your investors, your limited partners invest in that LP. And then you have this general partnership, which is basically the management company of that um, limited partnership. So the idea is that you raise $10 million in this limited partnership, and that limited partnership has to pay you two hundred and fifty grand for the next 10 years. So that right there, that's the foundational pay of that gets you salaries, that gets you overhead, whatever amenities that you need to run the business, all right? So that's why they're able to invest and sit on that money for a long period of time because they're already getting paid. Their bills are paid, right? Hmm. But now, how do you get wealthy? There's two concepts. How do you get paid and how do you get wealthy? How do you get paid is the management fee. How do you get wealthy is that carried interest. So let's just say you invest... So you know your base amount is $10 million. So you, at the very least, got to be able to get back the minimum capital of $10 million to so all your the break even to $10 million, right? So let's just say you do in terms of your companies being sold off, right, in terms of making a profit. So uh, you do well, you break even. So let's just say by year five, you break even, where you're able to, things are going really well. You broke even already. So you already gave back all the capital for your limited partnership, $10 million. So now what happens is anything after that amount, you split. So let's just say you bring in $20 million, mm-hmm. right? It's an 80-20 split. So um, what's that? So let's do 10, 10, 10 million. I can do that better than in my head. So let's just say you bring in another $10 million, right? $8 million will go to those limited partners Two million will go to you, all right. Mm. The GP, all right. So again, if that was twenty, that would be sixteen million going to those limited partners, and then that would be four million coming to you. In addition to you getting that two fifty every year, all right. So doing that's your, doing your job. So that's yeah, yeah. So basically, you can look at it as as a performance fee. That carry interest is like that performance fee, a bonus for doing a good job. So the management fee just is just what it is. You get that just to manage the asset, the bare minimum, right? And that's based off of how much you raise. The performance fee 
that's more of an incentive to make sure that you find good companies. You know what I mean? It's like a salesperson getting a bonus check, a commission check for closing a deal, right? In essence, how the two ways you make money from venture or even private equity. You have a management fee that gets you, helps you get, you get you a salary and then the carry interest to help you get wealthy. Mm. Those are two concepts from that. Mm. Y'all better pay attention. Yeah. I'm going to say y'all better pay attention. They don't give you this game for free at college, I'll tell you that much. No, no. not at all. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. So, is yeah, it yeah. our last section? Yeah. Okay. So, we're going to pivot to our last section. And our last section is what's on your timeline. Uh, mm -hmm. So, what's on your timeline is basically anything that you've seen on your timeline that you want to uh, elaborate or something that you just want to talk about. Yeah. yeah. Okay, sure. So, the thing that um, I wanted to talk about was, because it's kind of been brewing in my spirit a little bit, it's been bothering me a little bit in terms of the misinformation of how to build wealth, especially for our people, is that, so two things I saw. One, I saw a lady post a picture that says, hey, instead of buying, you know, jewelry or toys or whatever for Christmas, buy your family LLCs, all right? I don't like that. And I'll explain why in a second. And then another guy, uh, another, I'm not going to say their name, but another Instagram handle was sharing a video about this guy who's trying to say an LLC is not the best incorporation structure and trying to make you seem like you're an idiot if you have an LLC. And so those are the two things on my timeline that has been disturbing me is basically, you know, people are, there's people out there who are misfeeding our people incorrect information about building wealth. And the part that I'm upset about is that there's a lot of people who don't really know. So in they're following these channels as a way to learn. And what's going to happen is they're going to do those things and get hit with fees. It's going to be a costly expense mm -hmm. for them, unfortunately. So going back to my point about the LLCs is that a lot of people are talking about, yeah, just go ahead and just incorporate and get an LLC for this, for that. And it sounds good in theory. LLCs are, you know, you got to pay for that, right? There's fees associated with that. And if you don't have a, a real business, it's a waste of money. So the focus should be, and I think you guys mentioned it earlier, which is find the void in the marketplace. The focal point should be the investment or the business you start, not necessarily LLC. Don't just get an LLC. So my bottom line is don't just get an LLC for just the sake of getting an LLC. A, having an LLC. Like my Boneplay business, that's an LLC. My Funding Fuel company, that is a C corporation. And this new business that we're trying to purchase, um, that's going to be an LLC as well. But my point is, is that the LLC is, you don't do that just to get that, mm -hmm. right? You, don't, you cannot get wealthy just because you have an LLC. You should focus on what's the end product, which is, are you buying a business or are you launching a new business? Because even if you launch a new business, I, like sometimes when I tell people, I'm like, don't just get an LLC right away. Just see if there's a market first. When I did that Bumble Play business, and I did a creative website. I didn't have an LLC at that moment, you know, because I was trying to see, because again, that's another cause. I was trying to see if there's demand for the product first, excuse me. And then if there was, then I'll go ahead and start doing all that. So a point is though, if you're going to start a business, see if people are willing to even give you money. Because if not, what's going to happen is, because it happened to me, a lesson learned. I paid tuition on this, right? It's just incorporating LLC for the sake of it. I mean, having an LLC is not extremely expensive, but if you don't have a lot of cash flow right now, it's, it could be a cost. You got to pay, you got to pay, I don't know how it is in each state, but I know in Delaware, you got to pay annual franchise tax fees. It's going to be $700. Uh, 
you got to pay accountant to, to do the following for that. There's probably other little things you got to do as well, upkeeps. And so th- these are just fees. It's just given to your local government just for the sake of having it. So my point is, is that focus on the product or service first. Validate that first. See if there's a market for that first. And then proceed if you need to actually have an LLC. Don't just get it. You know, I think we're like, a lot of times we're putting the cart before the horse. Mm-hmm. Um, if you discover that there is demand, people are willing to give you money for the product or whatever, then go ahead and protect yourself. But even if you don't, I mean, depending on what you have, if you're just doing freelance consulting, you know, you can be a sole proprietorship, right? So my point is that really seek proper counsel before you do any of that, anything, right? Mm-hmm. Like I said, there's a lot of people who push in creating LLCs because they get paid for it. So they're going to push for that, right? They get paid if you form an LLC. So, of course, they're advocating for you to do that. And you don't want to do that just because of that. And the other point is that the other video was this guy saying that you need to have a, a C corporation and not an LLC because basically you're not intelligent if you don't do this. Because he was saying something about protecting liabilities. And so I can't, I don't, um, I know what Instagram account that shared it, but I don't want to shout them out. I, I don't want to uh, tell it to them. You gotta tell us after. Um, you gotta tell us afterwards. Yeah, I'll tell y'all after the thing. But again, I was an example of so now it's making people who are watching the video feel like they gotta go get a C corporation. Mm-hmm. And a C corporation, depending on what you have, is it may be warranted. You know, it depends on what your strategy is. So the real sole purpose of like a C corporation is that it's really designed for like a lot of high growth companies because it gives definitely gives opportunity for stock options and have multiple like endless. Uh, amount of people that are on your cap table. LLCs, a lot, because it basically, I think what he, I'm trying to remember a little bit more now. He's basically saying, you know, wealthy people, they all have C Corps. They don't have LLCs, which is, that's inaccurate. There's wealthy people that have LLCs and there's wealthy people that have C Corps too. But it comes down to what is your product? Mm-hmm. What is your service? You know, and what is your strategy? Neither one is right or wrong. It all comes down to what is your strategy? So, Funding Fuel, I plan to eventually scale that and be the first platform for, for investing in a franchise for a minimum amount of money. That will require, and also too, if you are trying to raise, I think you asked, you asked a question, what are some criteria? You got to be a C-Corp if you're trying to raise VC money. All right. That's just one requirement off the bat. So you got to be a C-Corp yes. to do that anyway. And that, again, that's just, that makes it better for the cap table because for LLC, I can't remember, I don't know the exact number, but you're only going to have so much, so many people on your cap table. And with a C corporation, it makes it easier to, to divide up shares amongst various people and stuff like that. So anyway, my point is that my fund of you come, that's a C corp because I will have, I plan to raise money from VCs, stuff like that down the road. So I set that up. But my bone play business, that's just a small family business. Hey there, ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah, or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. 
It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. You know, as a small, simple business, LLC is the most simple structure, household still protected, et cetera, et cetera. And there's even another thing called an S-Corp election. My point is, is that my bottom line, if I would have ended, is just that we got to do better of weeding out the people who are not giving us the correct information mm-hmm. to make sure we are feeding our people the correct information to build wealth. Not the information just to, so we can get another dollar out of them, mm-hmm. but help them correctly to learn about building wealth properly. And, and so my, it's just my pet peeve that just to get LLC is not the best strategy. It's just not the best strategy. Mm. Amen. And, a, yeah, that's look. And we, we actually had an episode with Ms. Shaquana Brooks. She's Miss Business. She's a CPA. And she kind of went over the differences between an S Corp and a C Corp and an LLC. And each of them have their different benefits, like you said, for your product yeah. and your services. If you're heavy in real estate, you're going to want to go with an LLC because of Correct. the tax benefits. Like she explained, the depreciation that you can claim on that investment. But like you said, if you're interested, if you are planning to issue stocks or scale to a larger, more like dominant uh, force in the future, C-Corp will probably be the best way for you to go. Correct. 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 It just comes down to your strategy. What what do you plan to do? That's all. That's all. And just to to speak on that whole thing that you mentioned about we not those people, I wonder about what's a practical way that we can do that as us people who are trying to work yeah. on educating our people in a positive manner, because I see that same issue all the time. I remember I seen a video one time, it was uh, Dr. Wharton. He had mentioned that he was like, the age of the internet is very easy to believe something that's false is true. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. all yeah. it takes is for one person to say it and then other people to think it's true and echo that opinion. Mm-hmm. And now you become Absolutely. inundated with this information now you think it's true because everybody believes so yeah that's that's a doozy i'm thinking about ways we're gonna find a solution for this shit yeah i don't know how to i don't know as of right now i don't know how to help weed that that out but i mean you make a good point i think you know the internet has been a blessing and a curse as you said um because anybody can be an influencer at any moment right and they just speak with if they have the ability to speak well and sound like they know what they're talking about, people don't believe, even though they may not be uh, saying anything correctly, right? It's like that whole concept of drinking the Kool-Aid, I think. I don't know, was that Jim Jones or whatever that was back in the day? Is that if you, if, his, his research shows that if a person can really speak confidently and forcefully, even though what they say may not make any sense, but they can move a crowd and convince the crowd to believe in what they have, just be based off the way their ability to speak. And that right there is, is scary because, it's, especially for our people when it comes to building wealth, is that it's going to convince people of something incorrect. And they're going to go down that road and be like, oh, man, I shouldn't have listened. And then now they're fees, debt, and I mean, they, you know, they're in a hole, basically. Mm-hmm. And then what that's going to create in the end is like, oh, man, I can't even trust black people. They don't know what the hell they're yeah. talking about. I got, yeah. I got one, yeah. one last thing I want to say about this. Y'all don't go recruiting people for money for some companies talking about financial freedom. That's all I got to say on that. No MLMs, man. 
<laughs> you said no uh, ML, ML, uh, multi-level marketing? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of those either. I get hit on a lot I of think- because of my business background. But no, you know what? I, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan that, as a personal preference. I'm not a fan of it. However, I do know someone that did literally become a, a millionaire off of that. And, and the only re- but I actually like him. The only reason I like him because he don't pitch it like everybody else pitch it. He still, because you know, they, with, with those MLMs, they preach like, hey, if you do this, you're going to make so much money. You're going to be financially independent, et cetera, et cetera. But then they quit like two months later. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy preaches, he treats it as like a real business, as if he was opening up a bakery or whatever. And so he's been committed. He's been doing it for like 10 plus years. But for my personal preference, I'm not a, I'm not a big fan of it. I actually, I have a personal theory about MLMs actually causing like that rift in the community like that has African-American people where we are as far as entrepreneurship. Like a lot of their, in my opinion, at least the folks that I know, their experience has been like Avon and different stuff like that, where it's just like, they didn't really know all of what they were getting into. And Mm -hmm. so it led to a distrust later when they hear of anything about entrepreneurship. It's just like, oh, that's just that old, you know, selling stuff. And it's like, uh, that's not exactly what it is. You know what I mean? you, You just need to know what you're getting into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the show, bro. So we gonna um, Pedro. Can you plug in yourself where people can find you, find out more about you if they wanna come, if they wanna learn about how to create the bump and play that you were teaching people about? Uh, anything? Yeah. They need yeah, a website. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So my personal Instagram is Pedro P E B R O underscore more Pedro underscore more. That's where you actually would just. If you go there, you'll find everything else. You'll see my company, Bumper Play. You'll see Fun the Fuel. You'll be able to connect with me on Instagram because I have my, uh, uh, my email on there. I haven't built the website. So we go to the point of building an MVP. So that whole thing, I was trying to see if there was demand. Because while I was trying to, long term, I was trying to see if I could build an online course for this. It kind of automated it as a way to make money. Mm-hmm. I actually did, but I never promoted it. But then also I found out that too, lesson learned, I was trying to hustle. I found stock photos. I didn't get the licenses and stuff. So I realized I need to take all those down. Because there's also a note, there's a way, there's algorithms. Or I don't know if you guys do this or anyone listening, that if you steal an image off the media and use it in something, they have algorithms to find you. And if they find you, they're going to try to say, yo, you owe us money for this. That happened to me. Oh, wow. Wow. All right. So my online course, which was Bubble Ball University, I kind of shut it down because now I got to go rework all my curriculum, online curriculum, because I kind of did do that. I never, cause I never thought too much. I just took a Google image or whatever. There is a feature on there for Google images to get the free license yeah, ones. I forget how to do that. Yeah, the royalty free ones. But so that I'm just, just throwing that out there. So now I kind of came back out there and said, okay, what if, what's the, my MVP for this? So now instead of me trying to go out, back out, rework the whole course, what if I could just offer some consultation to see if there's some demand for that? So that's the reason why, again, I got connected out with you guys. And there was, I saw there was a lot of interest too. So I may be rebirthing that course. But anyway, personal, uh, Pedro underscore more. That's where you find all my contact for anything that you see my profile. That way, and you feel free to DM me. I respond for any question that you may have. Um, I like building relationships. Plus, you get to see the video of my little son who went viral if you scroll down a little bit. 
that was exciting. But I mean, we probably got like twenty. Which video was it? Twenty. Oh, it was. If you scroll down, it's a video. Let me. Oh, because I got a couple of things now. It's a video where it's my little boy, and he is. Let's see. He had. He's laughing. You probably have to scroll scroll down a good bit because I have a lot of stuff posted. So I have a post that says. Do you see a post that says own companies and own land? If you scroll down, there's three posts to the left of that. That's the original vote of the video. Um, now, that video itself doesn't have millions of views, but what people did, they reshared. Like Oprah, if you go, like the Shade Room shared it. And who else? Uh, people from, oh man, uh, I'm forgetting that celebrity's name. Matter of fact, even Michael Epps, he did a video. Uh, I put that in my IGTV. Oh, he remade cool. a video of it. Um, so that video, Rex Chapman on Twitter, he shared it. I got 20 million views. I mean, I'm sorry, 11 million views on Twitter alone. So that was probably my, my highlight because for this past fall, the fact that me and my son went viral. And like I said, we got an article on Good Morning America. My little guy's uh, Instagram account, he went from 80 followers to like 3,500 followers in like two weeks. Wow, it's mostly T more. So, um, but anyway... My thing is, I'm all about advancing our people, how to build wealth. Of course, I'm trying to make, you know, things happen for myself. So, oh, and but because of that, video went out. I had a lot of DMs, especially for people that, uh, people that look like us, that ask questions about building wealth, investing in stocks, starting companies. And I had a chance to kind of get, drop a little gems for them, you know. When I got into venture, my whole thing was like, I wanted our people to know about, not to say that you got to be in it, but at least know that here's another option. Here's another pathway, you know. Now with me potentially buying this business, right, for the first time, now this is something else. I'm like, okay, could our people start buying businesses, right? Could that be? And the thing is, I think for me, and I believe a lot of other people think that, especially our people, like we don't even conclude buying a business because we feel like it's so expensive to do. But one guy told me, if you can buy a house, you can buy a business. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of breaking it down and learning about it. And like the, the deal I have with this one business about to buy is equivalent to the way I structured it in terms of cash payment out the pocket. It's equivalent to buying a car. <laughs> now, we still have to pay them on the back end through the business, but there's a lot of ways that you can do it to get in the door. And I'm just saying like, okay, once I close this, because even after this, I, there's a couple more businesses I might want to see if we can buy. But after I do this, I want to tell our people like, okay, here's another pathway we can build wealth. So we're getting better at real estate. We start to be familiar with tech startups. Could we start buying businesses? Mm-hmm. That's another pathway. Building wealth. I love it. I love yeah. it. My boy, a whole real science man out here for real. Man, we appreciate you so much, uh, Pedro. You definitely came through, dropped some uh, game. Taught yeah. us a lot about the VC world. Yeah, man. Larry, get to see a lot of lessons from your journey on entrepreneurship, my brother. So yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I appreciate you all having me, man. It's, it's, it's been a blessing. I appreciate it. Oh, uh, no problem, bro. No um, Let me get into some housekeeping real quick before we end the episode. Uh, no problem. Always shout out to all the listeners for continuing. Just constantly. Yeah, yeah, the constant support uh, the podcast has been doing really, really well, constantly growing. We're doing our best to continue moving and passing all these tools and resources to the people. Y'all make sure y'all go to blackwellrenaissance.com, our website, where we have a lot of tools and resources for you guys from free tools like calculators, like mortgage calculators, debt to income calculators, all these things, realtor directories, CPA directories. We have courses on 
just about everything. Yeah, just about anything. Might get the bump and play course up here soon, y'all. <laughs> I don't know what's going on with that, uh, Jalen. Yeah, we pretty much covered a lot that we wanted to talk about. Also, our Investor Summit 2020, Chicago. Y'all be on the lookout for it. It's going to be amazing. We just can't wait to really release everything for you guys. Y'all also, we thank everybody who are our Patreons for constantly rocking with us and constantly signing up. Have we got any new Patreons since then? Uh, we did get a new Patreon since Alex, I believe. I'm going to let David find us. We got to be better. Oh, we got a new patron. Yeah, shout out to Colston Nelson. Colston, yeah. Shout out to you, Colston. Hey, appreciate it. Um, Y'all join the Patreon. You can get all of the newest podcasts uh, way ahead of time. You also get to, it's a way for you to support us. We're going around, we're starting to go to colleges to start speaking. We're starting to do more things in the community. So the Patreon is just a way for you to help support us, support the community, honestly. So y'all join the Patreon. It's patreon.com slash T-H-E-B-W-R. That's patreon.com slash T-H-E-B-W-R. My boy popping up out of nowhere. Y'all that's all fresh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, what well, that being said, man. This Black Girl Friend signing out. Peace. 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 Hey, I got money on my mind. I'm just trying to get some dough. I ain't picking up my lot unless it's money on the phone. Gotta get it on the daily. All I want is dubs. You know what I'm on. I've been chasing after paper. All I know is run money marathon. I got money on my mind, I'm just trying to get some dough I ain't picking up my lot, unless it's money on the phone Gotta get it on the daily, all I want is dubs, you know what I'm on Health insurance plans come with deductibles and claims processes that are confusing and expensive. CrowdHealth puts you back in control of your health care. Each member gets a personal care advocate and access to thousands of other members ready to help pay for large health expenses. Visit joincrowdhealth.com and use code HEALTH to get your first three months for just $99 per month. That's joincrowdhealth.com code HEALTH. CrowdHealth is not health insurance. It's a totally different way of paying for health care. Terms and conditions may apply. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. Bada ba ba ba. At participating McDonald's.